Hi, I'm Alex Thomas. This episode of the T&B Show contains some pretty sensitive subject matter. While it's not necessarily vulgar, we do wish to let you know this may not be an episode you want to listen to with your kids. So, that's your warning. Uh, Can we play that intro music now? Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the T&B Show. I'm Alex Thomas. And I'm Timothy Bain. And I, I think we've kind of come to the point, Tim. What the heck is going on with the Republican Party? I, I don't even know. I think we're going downhill really, really fast. I know usually... To borrow a phrase that sounds like something Donald Trump would say. So I, I know I, we usually have a longer intro when we explain a little bit what we're going to talk about on the show, but... What else can you say except what? What, what? We had the debate um, Thursday night in Detroit. Complete mess of a debate. Probably the worst debate of the whole debate season. I. It, it's hard for it's hard for me to look at anybody on that stage really and be like, oh, okay, I can see that person being president of the United States. Even John Kasich, who I have my own problems with. I mean, he just looked bad by association. And the fact that he didn't really stand up against anybody uh, last night while Rubio, Cruz, Mm -hmm. and Trump were going after each other and, dare I say, make penis jokes for a good portion of the night. I have little faith in the Republican Party right now. I I can't see how anybody can look at the Republican Party in its current state and be like, oh, that's the party for me. It it makes no sense. If there are any positives... Actually, two positives to come away with after that debacle. I'd say the first one is is um, there's only one more debate to go after this, so Thank hopefully, goodness. so hopefully the damage will not be too severe. The second thing is I don't think as many people are watching anymore. I think people are just about tired of it, and. We'll have to look at the ratings, but I just don't see how people can slog through this over and over and over again like I do. I mean, can you imagine at the if they did a Democratic debate and they had Bernie or Hillary talking about their genitalia? Now, I say gen- genitalia, of course, because, you know, they're both different sexes. But at the same time, I can't imagine either one of them going up there and being like, well, let me talk a little bit about my member down there. I, it, to me, if they did that, they would get ostracized and would basically seal... You know, their the destruction of their campaign, but for the GOP, it's they like, wouldn't. Oh, it's just another night, and it's not. Well, it's not the GOP. It's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's presence on the stage that's doing all this. I mean, did we ever see a debate before Donald Trump was a candidate where stupid stuff like this reigned supreme? But only because Donald Trump with his childish antics. Are we getting this stuff? And it's hurting the Republican Party badly. And people do not seem to understand that. And to make matters worse, and I mean the worst, the worst thing that came out of last night's debate, besides the whole penis joke episode, was at the very end. When they asked the candidates, if Donald Trump was the nominee, would you support him? And everyone said yes. It's like, you guys are going to go after this guy for being a slob for being in your face, for being a rude word I don't want to say on this episode. 
and you're going to support him. Instead of standing up, growing a spine, and saying, no, this guy's a bully, by all means, why the heck would I support him? You instead rolled over and said, you know what, at least it's not Hillary Clinton. Shame, shame, shame on the three of those candidates who didn't have the guts to stand up and say, no, this guy's a bully. I mean, it's a, it's a really difficult question to answer um, because you're going to be criticized either way for your response. I don't have a problem with it because that's about where I'm at, too. I am absolutely positively against Trump receiving the Republican nomination. I think he would be a disaster for our party. He would most certainly lose the general election, barring Hillary's prosecution for the email scandal, which is, I'll admit, perhaps possible. I mean, people have been... um, Gone, I'm sorry. But if that doesn't happen... Trump, is, I think, is certainly on his way to losing the general election if he's nominated. Plus, he's going to do perhaps irreparable damage to the Republican Party. There will perhaps be a split. It's We're seeing the... I think we're seeing the two-party system dissolve before our eyes. That's what's happening here. The thing that bothers me about this whole election in terms of the GOP is the fact that people are comparing it to the 1964 um, campaign in which Barry Goldwater was nominated and got his butt whooped by Lyndon B. Johnson. I mean whooped. I think it was a two-to-one vote ratio in terms of Johnson to uh, Goldwater. But this is a completely different scenario. We've never in, seen anything like this before. In 1964, Goldwater lost because he did not support the Civil Rights Act of 1964, I believe was the correct year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not up to snuff on my... AP U.S. History, though I saw my AP U.S. History notes with me at school. Civil um, Rights Act of 64, Voting Rights Act of 65. That's correct. Um, Goldwater did not support it because he was a libertarian at heart. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, I've, I'm not going to support this. I believe this is too much government overreach. And in fact, if he, he later did an interview with William F. Buckley Jr. and said, I agreed with most of it. There's just two provisions I thought was just too much for the government to control. And it cost him the election. But to Goldwater's credit... Goldwater was still a civil rights leader down in Arizona. He helped the NAACP down there. He he wasn't some guy who was a racist. He was a person who was just libertarian and didn't want to support something that conflicted that libertarian mm-hmm. viewpoint. And it's something I think a lot of people disagree with, obviously. But I think something that nowadays people would respect by saying, okay, he's at least stuck to his core principles, even though I 100% disagree with that in terms of what he did. Trump, on the other hand, is just asinine. I mean, he's going back and forth. He's making penis jokes on stage. He's going out there saying that the military would not refuse his order to commit war crimes. How on earth the GOP could fare in this election better than Barry Goldwater did in 1964 is beyond me. I think you will have enough people that either A, vote for Hillary, B, vote for a third party, or C, don't vote at all, it's going to cause Donald Trump. What I'm hearing is there's going to be a lot of C. A lot, most people are aware that you can simply skip the presidential election on your ballot and move on to governor races, Senate races, local elections. And I'm hearing that's what a lot of people 
are mean, going I, to do. Totally, I, completely abstain from the presidential election. I hear that, and I hear people who are just going to deal with it and vote for Trump if Trump's the nominee. And right now, that's the direction I'm leaning towards just because, not because of any love I have for Donald Trump, but because of my absolute disdain for Hillary Clinton. I think she, I think she also, like Trump, is a crook and corrupt and a liar. And I would rather have Trump than Hillary, but only by a little bit. Personally, I would rather just get shot than have either one of them. Um, I agree. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not the fact that I disagree with both. I mean, you can disagree. I disagree with uh, uh, Bernie Sanders and John Kasich, but I would be okay with having them because I think they're both decent people. Um, I could, I can, you know, toughen it up for four years and vote for somebody else um, come due time. Hillary and Trump are just different scenarios altogether. I mean, you have Trump, who's again going on stage making penis jokes and all that fun stuff. Then you have Hillary, who's about as fake as you can get, yeah. and just does is not genuine. Has too many skeletons in her closet, and it just doesn't seem safe to pick somebody like her to be leader of the United States. When uh, when I think about this general election, especially with two candidates who are so unlikable, like they are. I think about the Supreme Court. I think that's the that's the number one issue in a situation like this. And I feel that Donald Trump would be more like at least a little bit more likely to nominate a conservative justice to the Supreme Court, which in this situation is absolutely vital um, for the conservative movement to survive. Um, I think they just need to nominate somebody. I'll be honest. I think we're at a point where... They need to get just somebody on the court so we don't get four or four decisions and they go back to the lower court. I think we need to have that that tie-breaking vote. And I, I understand the concerns that you don't want to have somebody who's uber-liberal on there. But at the same time, you cannot effectively run a country with having the chance of it's going to be split down the middle. You have to have some person mm-hmm. there to be like, okay, I may be, you know, I'm going to go maybe this way one week or this way the other week. And kind of interpret the Constitution not strictly as, okay, if we don't support this, then it just goes back to whatever the lower court said. To me, it sounds too dangerous. Well, precedent says that the Republicans are right in this, that most of the time in an election year, a Supreme Court justice has not been nominated and confirmed. And when it was the other way around, a lot of Democrats were saying the same thing, that we can't confirm a nominee in an election year. Um, So I sort of agree that it kind of puts things in flux, but a lot of these decisions by the Supreme Court are not vital in in that they have great time restraints there's there's not going to be some sort of huge crisis if a justice is not nominated unless something like bush v gore happens during the election in that case it's gonna be insane mm-hmm. uh, to get back to the debate from last night frank luntz of the luntz global focus group organizations that they do after the debate usually on fox is when they do these focus groups the four words that the uh, focus group used to describe the debate from Thursday night were disgusting, 
embarrassing, childish, and sophomoric. The only yeah. good side I saw of it was only one person supported Donald Trump. Six for Ted Cruz, 18 for Kasich, and zero for Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio seemed... He seems like the fraternity brother that just doesn't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, but he also seemed... I don't know if he was ill Well, I mean, he, or... he, he lost his voice earlier in the week. So... Yeah. Um, I mean, he, to his... To, uh, give benefit to that. I mean, he was still recovering from an illness. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he just hasn't had necessarily the strongest of performances. Right. He didn't have the he didn't have the energy last night that he's had previously. Um, he he seemed older for some reason, um, which in which in his case wasn't good because he was the young, vibrant exciting candidate with a lot of fresh ideas and I didn't see that last night I think that I think that after Super Tuesday which was an absolute bloodbath Mm -hmm. and after the debate um, I think it's down to two candidates 75% chance Trump wins the nomination 25% chance Cruz wins I mean I I think Rubio's out of opportunities I think Trump has in the bag I mean mathematically there is still a chance that someone can go take him down that same time i mean he has he has the momentum he has you know he said it before he can go basically do whatever he wants he's not going to lose anybody and i think that's 100 percent true i think i, I think he agree. has the nomination right now i know that may be that may be too risky to say and i know a lot of people aren't going to say that but i think without a doubt he he's your republican nominee at this point if you were down to two candidates after march 15th if Kasich and Rubio lose Florida and Ohio, then it will most certainly be down to two candidates at that point. Cruz then has to rack up a vast majority of wins in the winner-take-all states, which is possible. It is possible in a two-way race because polls have shown that a Perhaps even a majority of Republicans are against the Trump nomination. I don't. I don't see Rubio or Kasich going for Trump unless it's absolutely the final, like the, basically that that eleventh hour where they have to push over to get Hillary Clinton defeated. I just don't see them endorsing him until that very no, last moment. No, they're not going to endorse him. I don't think. I think that. I think that if they get out. I see Rubio probably getting behind Ted Cruz. I do. I think they, in we've seen it in the past few debates where they've gotten along more. They're starting. They were starting to focus all their attacks on Trump and not on each other, because I think they understand that only one of them is going to be the nominee if Trump is not going to be, and they see Trump as absolutely intolerable as a nominee. Kasich, I'm not sure. I think he'll probably stay out of the fray because it's very possible I think that Trump may pick Kasich as a running mate. I mean he hasn't attacked him at all. No. Here that he's gonna pick Chris Christie, which when that news came out was a bit surprising. Attorney General. I mean it's to me I understand why. I guess that may I guess it makes sense on paper considering the ties between New Jersey and New York City. At the same time, I mean that was that was clear out of nowhere when it was announced. I remember sitting in my my journalism classroom when it was announced that Christie was going to endorse him, and I just screamed, "What? Are you well, serious?" And it 
like out of all the people you're going to endorse, you're not going to endorse Marco or you're not going to endorse Kasich, which... Well, you knew he wasn't going to endorse Marco I mean, after the debate. But still, um, apparently uh, Marco, or at least someone on his campaign, got a little bit too eager when Chris Christie dropped out and started repeatedly, like, on a repeating basis, called Chris Christie to try to get him to endorse Marco. Mm-hmm. And that that rubbed off the wrong way. So I, I guess I can see why he wouldn't endorse Marco. But at the same time, not John Kasich, not a fellow governor, to be like, look, this guy knows how to lead a state. This guy knows how. This guy was in Congress. Mm-hmm. Why would we not endorse him? He wanted to endorse someone he thought was going to win because he wanted a job. That's the way this always happens. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The best part about the whole. Um, Christie thing, though, is the fact that at least six New Jersey newspapers are calling him to resign. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he went from hero back when he was for when he first won his race back in 2009. He's now an absolute zero. Mm-hmm. Just nope. I don't think a lot of people in the GOP like him because he backstabbed the party to pick Trump. But also, he has all he still has Bridgegate hanging over his head. He's yeah. I mean, the whole Jersey thing doesn't really help, um, at least down here. But the fact is, I mean, he, I think he just isn't that likable anymore. You have to give Trump a little bit of credit for continually manipulating the media because uh, Christie endorsed him the day after a debate where Trump got absolutely destroyed, and then there comes the Christie endorsement, and the media doesn't cover. The debate hardly at all. It's all about Christie endorsing Donald Trump. It was brilliant. I guess you can say it was the art of a deal. It was. It was. Part of of Trump's strategy has been able to deflect attention away from the other candidates, and he's done it masterfully by constantly saying things that are controversial, doing things that gets the media to... uh, media's attention it's like a reality show people can't get enough of it the donald trump is getting far and above more coverage than any candidate on the republican or the democratic side he doesn't have to run ads why no. why would you run ads he when the gets, media is addicted to he you he gets like tons of free addict. press he's got millions of twitter followers and those twitter followers retweet things the news media reports on the things he tweets it's ridiculous mm-hmm. he is the I will say this. He may be the first 21st century presidential candidate, truly. A candidate who doesn't have to rely on millions and millions of dollars in donations to run ads to be successful in a state. All he has to do is speak, and every single cable news channel in this country will pick it up. And he's all over Twitter, and people are talking nonstop about it on social media. I mean, we're talking nonstop about exactly. it. Exactly. So, I, I think we've we reached that point, Tim, where even I'm sick of ta- talking about Don Trump. I mean, there's the whole John Oliver thing, that his whole mm-hmm. segment that he did on Last Week Tonight, that everyone in my on my Facebook feed has been sharing, because, you know, we need John Oliver now to confirm the fact that Donald Trump is an absolute horrible human being and don't get wrong i think john oliver john oliver is hilarious but the fact is i'm sick and tired of seeing it and that's not john oliver's Mm -hmm. fault that's the fact that i just don't have a diverse 
Facebook friend group, I guess. Well, friends of mine who I don't even consider politic that politically active are posting things about how terrible Donald Trump would be as a nominee, how terrible he would be as a president. Why are we nominating him? I, I mean, even though it doesn't seem to be having much of an effect on the actual voting, the hashtag not Trump movement is a very powerful movement made up of a wide variety of political opinions. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Let, let's... Let's change the subject, because I feel just internally my stomach concaving into itself out of anger. I feel like my inner Morton mm-hmm. Downey Jr. is coming out, <laughs> and I'm going to probably call somebody something I shouldn't. Oh, and also Ben Carson dropped out, but let's be honest, Ben Carson was really running for president. If you've seen the last few debate performances of him, he really wasn't there. He woke up, and then he decided that he would drop out. Um, uh, but, I mean, let, let's change. Hopefully he endorses Ted Cruz. <laughs> Well, hopefully he just officially drops out at That's some point. True. Um, I guess in other news, me and Tim turned a little bit older this week. Uh, I turned 22 on the 1st, and you turned 22 on the 5th, correct? Yes. All right. So, I mean, we're a little bit older and not necessarily that, that wiser, but at the same time, th- there's something that when when I turned 13 and 18 and 21 in the big ages that people gravitate towards um i never really felt like i was turning a big age and mm-hmm. i don't know if it's the same with you but now that i'm 22 or whatever however the taylor swift song goes i don't listen i don't listen to taylor swift but um i mean now that i'm turning now i'm turning 22 i just feel older and not necessarily in a good way but like just just not not in a bad way either just just a way um I mean, with jobs coming up, with both of us graduating. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who are getting married. I have friends who are having kids. I have a friend back home who's having their second kid. And granted, this friend is at least, I, well, is nine years older than me. So they're not they're not 22. They're in their 30s. But at the same time, I'm getting that age where I'm like, oh, crud, everything's changing. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I don't hate it. I just It's really uncomfortable for me. And I'll fi- you know, you'll find a way to get kind of – situated but for right now it's like oh goodness i think we're sort of changing just like you said because of the situation we're in you know more responsibilities coming we're having to to search for jobs we're knowing that our time you know in college is coming to an end and it's time to start thinking about things like marriage and kids and jobs and a house and all those things so I think it's I think it's just we're having to adapt to that and adapting to that creates or at least it should create maturity. I mean I've already I've always felt I'm a little bit older than everybody else in terms of like men- mental age cuz they always say age is just a number. Mm-hmm. Like you may be in your 70s but you may act like you're in your 20s in terms of your like how mm-hmm. young and hip and lively you are. Some people never grow up. Some people never grow. Exactly. Um but I always feel like I'm I'm like in my 60s. I mean for goodness sakes, my favorite m- musical artist is Randy Newman. I have a original 1977 Randy Newman poster in my room. That's true. We're looking at it right now. Um I mean, I'd never liked the things that other kids liked. I was always into I was always in the politics where everyone else was talking about just goodness knows what whether it's mm-hmm. movies or Taylor Swift or the the joys of social interaction. I've always well, been 
I guess, business for like oriented and always on like things that older people liked, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I always felt like mm-hmm. it was a little bit too different than everybody else. I I noticed that too. I was always very political in in middle and high school, but you know, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that a lot of other people my age, like I was saying, who are never interested in politics are, and I don't know if that's because of just the uniqueness of this election or because they're getting older, they're starting to pay more attention to the issues because it's starting to have more of an effect on them. You know, they're paying they're paying taxes now. They're having to look for full-time jobs. They're worried about paying off their college loans. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, also summer family planning, which is a scary thought to me. Not only because I don't like children in the sense of, I don't want to have children. I mean, if, if you give me your kid, mm. you know, I'll be nice to your kid, and I like kids. I just don't want to have. I don't want to have children. Mm. I should probably have rephrased that better at the beginning. Um, I love kids. I'll put. Th- get I'll your snot-nosed brat away from me. No, I mean, I just don't want kids. But at the same time, like everyone around me is like starting that whole process of mm-hmm. like moving to. Mm-hmm. Di- I have a friend who I graduated high school with who got married last summer, and well, I, I say friend loosely. Uh, we we know each other through the grapevine, and she's moving to Wisconsin uh, mm-hmm. to get for for a job soon. Now I'm sitting here still looking for a job, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that time yeah. is coming. Yeah, where you don't Absolutely. have your network, you have to yeah. go make a totally new network in mm-hmm. a place where you know nobody. Yeah, or you can go back home and you know try to find something there, but at the same time. You know, you're still going to have to find a new network. You can't necessarily go back to your old high school and hang out with your old teachers. Right. You, exactly. have to, you have to become your own person. Yeah. And we're, I think we're starting to enter the phase, at least I am, where I'm starting to receive a lot more wedding invitations. And and that's happening. It, and it's all, it's all just a part of growing up, but it's just weird to think about, you know, myself and people that I grew up with getting married, having kids, you know, having jobs. It's it's just a strange thing. It's you know, you know it's part of life, but it's also a difficult thing to imagine. I hate using the term nostalgia because I think it's overused. No, I think it's true. I think but it's true. I think it's overused basically by the the 90s kids generation of the 90s are great and if you don't like it then get out of my face. Um, but at the same time, I'm getting really nostalgic for those days where I was in high school and those days where I was with, you know, talking to my teachers, whether it was my band director, mm-hmm. Robert Owens, mm-hmm. or my APUS history teacher, Shannon Winchester. And I really appreciate now more than ever entering adulthood, the lessons they taught me. And I feel like an idiot for not right. taking, you know, their word seriously until I'm now about to graduate from college. I do feel a nostalgia for that. And I also, as I'm getting older, I start thinking about how I would have done it so much differently had I, you know, gotten another chance at it, really, for those four years. Um, I mean, it, to me, I to me, college has been one of those weird experiences where a lot of people say college is the best years of your life. Bull crap. College is no They're way not. near the best years of your life. Are you kidding me? It's like you're going to go have a family. You're going to go get a job. Yeah. You're going to make new friends. Get to make your own income. Sure, you have mm-hmm. more stress, you know, with it. But at the same time, you get to make your own destiny after right. you leave this hellhole. It's it's the, Chapel Hill. It's the next step that 
really excites me. Now it's scary right now because I don't. I'm not exactly sure what that next step is. But I think once I get there, it's gonna be the sun's gonna be so much brighter. At least I hope. I apologize for also using the term hellhole. Um, but at the same time, I mean, after 40 years here and after dealing with a lot of personal issues in terms of, um, I mean, if we're going to get straight to the point here, I mean, I had a lot of moments where I thought about hurting myself due to some events that were going on with different organizations. Um, and it wasn't the organization's fault, but rather my um, obsession, if you will, with perfecting myself and trying to prove that I was better than everybody else. And I don't think mm-hmm. it's Carolina's fault. I think if I went anywhere else, if I went to NC State, if I went to the University of Georgia, if I went to Elon or Wake Forest, which were the other four places I applied to, um, I would probably feel the same way. But at the same time, college has been one of those places where I had to learn to find myself. And especially during sophomore year going into the beginning of junior year, where I was at the lowest of lows in terms of where I was mentally. It was a really big growing process of figuring out, okay, how do I be, how do I mature through this? How do I make sure I don't end up on the front page of the student newspaper in a bad light or a or to be blunt dead? Um, how do I make sure not to do that? And that whole process to me, I guess, was a real big maturing moment of figuring out, okay, what's important in life? Your friends, your family, mm-hmm. your religion, if you're religious. Your, your moral code, if you're not, um, you know, standing up for what you believe in while also being respectful to other people for just being people. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the college, college has kind of been that point. It's never been a point where me like going out socializing. It's never been a point of me going out drinking because I don't drink. Um, it's always been that point of me figuring out, okay, well, where do I go from here? How do I figure out how to better myself, better the area around me? and really improve who I am while also trying to find a way to improve the future. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's kind of been that constant battle over figuring out how to do that, but, you know, you get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not one of those people that advocates the whole it gets better movement because I think it's very – I don't think it's really fair to say that over a broad area. I think it's very dependent on the individual. But at the same time, those, those trials and those tribulations do prepare you for um, for better facing, uh, to be honest, at times a brute world mm-hmm. that is outside of the Chapel Hill city limits in me and Tim's case. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I I think that through trials, and there have certainly been trials for both of us in these past four years, I think that's when you really learn about who you are and you know you you really do find yourself when you go through those difficult moments and I think and I think really college as a whole provides that for a lot of people I mean I've I think I've changed a great deal in four years and not all of it is just you know natural maturity it's the experiences that I've had here that have uh, that have shaped me in a different way, and so right. you know, there's good things that come out of that, and there's bad things. I mean, I've I've had I've come to Carolina, I've had more opportunities to do what I've wanted to do than any other point in my life, and maybe possibly 
any other set period in my life in terms mm-hmm. of um, just what's available to me at a low at a low cost. I mean, last Tuesday on my birthday, I went and interviewed the new university pre- president, Margaret Spellings. Thursday, I was interviewing mm-hmm. Cotting Carter, who was the State Department spokesman under President Jimmy Carter. No relation. I wouldn't have had those opportunities in a thousand years if I didn't come here, mm-hmm. or you know, if, if I didn't put forth the effort to to do something worthwhile. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting getting old's interesting. I always joke. I always joke them getting them becoming a geriatric. But at the same time, I need. I mean, everyone gets old. Everyone dies. Um, it's just kind of how you, how you handle that whole getting old thing that really matters. And for me, that whole getting old thing has always been, um, I guess a different approach than everyone else. Um, again, I, I go back to listening to Randy Newman. I go back to being a political junkie while everyone else was not talking about politics. I was despised in mm-hmm. high school because I was obsessed with politics, more specifically with Glenn Beck, but Oops. that's, that's a different story for a different day um tim do you have any other final thoughts before we close this out well i just want to i just want to say this that you know no matter no matter what your opinion is on this whole election debacle um just just fight for what you believe in and if you're you know, if you are against Trump, then do all you can to, you know, talk to your friends, engage on social media, and and try to create the change you want to, you know, to make. If you're if you are a Trump supporter, then that's great, and you need to um, you need to support him strongly as well. But yeah, just be involved. Well, on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the TNB Show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to stay in touch with us on a more social basis, you can go to our Facebook page and click that like like button. Like button. Apparently I'm becoming tongue-tied as this episode gets on. Or you can go to our Twitter account at TNB Show and give us an old follow. On behalf of Timothy Bain, this is Alex Thomas saying so long from Chapel Hill, and we'll see you guys next time.